Hey, welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, and it's going to be a different type of episode, but one that I think you guys are going to be extremely happy with because you're going to get a chance to do a little bit of, of reminiscing and uh, living in a time that was that was happy if you were an FSU fan. And <laughs> we'll get to, I know some of you are going to want to have a specific recruiting podcast and we will get to that either this weekend or first thing on Monday uh, because there's a lot happening in the world of recruiting for Florida State. Jonathan Daniels committed on Thursday evening. Ty Helton is possibly going to commit to Florida State as I'm recording this. We're anticipating that happening. We will see what happens, um, but FSU could have two pretty good trench players in the fold by the time you listen to this podcast. And then obviously there's some updates with KJ Bolden and and yeah, just a lot of things, uh, uh, a lot of things that are happening in the world of FSU recruiting that deserve a lot of time and, and energy. Uh, we want to kind of wait for those to unfold and make sure we have all of our ducks in a row before we go ahead and report on all that and, and do a full podcast on it. So uh, what I'm going to do for today's episode is unveil a interview that I did earlier in the week. I wasn't sure when I wanted to run it, how I wanted to run it. But the more I thought about it, the more excited I was to have you guys listen to it because I thought there was so much good information there. Uh, and that's a one-on-one interview with myself and FSU. Well, how do I describe Terrence Brooks? Uh, he was he, he was a multi-year starter for the Seminoles. He was a huge part of that 2013 national championship team. Uh, he played in the NFL for about five or six years, was a third-round pick, had a nice NFL career, and he's now coaching defensive backs at Niceville High School, which is a really good program in Florida's panhandle. And uh, yeah, I don't often fanboy on this podcast. I know some of you probably wish I, I did it more often, uh, but I'm going to geek out a little bit in this interview with Terrence Brooks. You'll probably hear it because I I enjoyed him so much as a player during that 2013 season. That was my first year at Florida State covering the program. Uh, I was a young, early 20-something reporter uh, that really didn't know what he was doing. And I found that Terrence Brooks was one, always really fun to watch play, right? He, he played with so much energy and passion. Uh, but then two, uh, he was my favorite interview on that team. And probably, and Chris Nee knows this and will joke about it. He knows he was probably my favorite interview ever at Florida State because he was so thoughtful, right? He was, and, and still is, as you'll hear it coming up here. So thoughtful, so... Uh, insightful, honest, uh, and he really values the time of like the person he's talking to. Like he's he's actually having a conversation with you and thinking about what you say and reflecting on the questions. And you know, if he doesn't agree with something, he'll push back at it. But he's like he's there, he's present. And I was always really appreciative, especially as someone who was who was new in this career when I was in my early twenties. Like that, he would would take the time to to be genuine, I guess. And, and you don't always get that, so. Uh, you're going to hear, it's a 40-minute interview with Terrence Brooks. You're going to hear him relive the 2013 season through his vantage point, what was special about that team, some of the special players, some of his favorite memories, uh, a few tidbits. Uh, you get to hear him talk about how much he hates the Florida Gators and why he hated Florida. Uh, so I think a lot of you will probably enjoy that. And then he drops a bomb at the end of the interview where he talks about playing the entire second half of the Auburn National Championship game with a concussion. Uh, and we kind of talk about that as as well. So there's a lot to get into with this podcast. Um, 
Before we get started here, one last thing. I know I'm rambling. Knowles 24-7 is doing a big promo for the next week or two. Uh, it is 75% off an annual membership. Or if you just want to try it as a month-to-month kind of thing, it's only a buck for the first month and the normal price afterwards. Uh, but you get to try us out what will be a, a pretty busy time of July and then getting into camp with, with August. And you really get to see us work with what we do with the practice reports and and how we cover this team in our own unique way. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that I'm, I'm really proud of what we do at Knowles 24-7. And this podcast is a part of what we do. But if you've been listening for a while and you've wondered what else we do, uh, the message board is really where you you get the most information legitimately. And, and there's a fan community there that that has become really, really good over over the span of, of my time at Knowles 24-7. So without further ado, all right, no more delay. I always say without further ado when I'm doing these by myself. Without further delay, uh, let's get Terrence Brooks in here. Enjoy this one, please. Like, soak it all in. It's going to be a fun uh, stroll down memory lane. It's also a weird comment. Okay, joining me now is one of my favorite players who I covered in my time at Florida State, and it was my first season at, at FSU covering other uh, program for them, the Orlando Sentinel, and it was Terrence Brooks. Terrence was a multi-year starter from the Seminoles, went on to have a really nice NFL career, was a tackling machine at safety, well over 100 tackles in his career. What I loved about Terrence's game is there was always once or twice a game where he would come flying downhill, and that speed and like controlled violence was just so evident. So uh, it's my honor to have him on the On the Bench podcast. Terrence, Welcome to OTB, sir. How are you doing? My man, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Can't complain, man. It's been a good day. Good. I'm I'm glad to hear it. Terrence is currently coaching uh, the the DB group at Niceville right now, so he's gotten into coaching at this stage in his life, which is really cool to hear. And uh, what's that been like for you, man? Has that been fun and rewarding? Man, it's been awesome. Um, I got a little taste of coaching with my son's little league football team, and Man, that had me fired up. So being at this level with the school of Niceville, that's a very premier high school with a lot of talent, you know, academically and physically as well with sport. I mean, it's it's an amazing experience so far. I just love the process of it and kind of get a different view of the game and able to pass the knowledge. So it's awesome, man. I'm having a good time. So as we get into some of the your time at Florida State, I mean, there's, there's going to be so much to get to, especially as we get into the the 2013 season. I think I want to go kind of just chronologically uh, here. And um, yeah, I think that's going to be the way to go. Just kind of go down a line of as that season unfolds and as, as this team just ramped up and got better and better and confidence grew. I think that makes sense. So before we get into like the 2013 season, Terrence, like uh, let's maybe take like, there's a lot of times in, in growing, there's got to be those growing pains. Right. And I thought like the 2012 season maybe kind of exemplified that it was a team that had high expectations, was really close to running the table, uh, sans two games, like other than those two NC yeah. state Florida. Uh, so can you take me like what the, the way 2012 unfolded, like what was the mindset of the team going into that 2013 off season? Oh man, it was a lot of competition. I feel like I kind of always tell people, you know, those, it was obviously an awesome experience to win the 2013 season, but I feel like we really should have won it in 2012. Um, that was just a year I feel like we were just very stacked at every position. Um, kind of the the leadership of, you know, those are the guys that when we came in as freshmen, those were the guys that were, you know, going to take the reins at some point. And 
that year I just, you know, I had a lot of confidence that that was going to be the year. And those games happen, and that NC State game really stuck with us for quite a while. Um, that one just devastated us just in a sense of, like, you know, we could have easily handled that team, but we kind of just let things go. And that one was very rough for us. But going into that season, I mean, the confidence is at all-time high. So, I mean, if I were to look in on it, I would like, that was the team that would have won it all as well. So it's going to be a broad question, I guess, but like what, what changes in hindsight you have now, you know, 10 years to look back at it and played a lot of football since then. Now I've coached as well. So you've had those different vantage points, like looking back at it, what was the difference between the 2012 team and the 2013 team in terms of maybe 2013 wasn't quite as talented, which is crazy to yeah, think about, it's crazy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I guess what was that little, like that difference if you could put your finger on it? <sighs> I really couldn't pinpoint it. I feel like both years we still had some distractions here or there. Um, I would just think the biggest difference would be the group that we had, um, my my class that we came in with. I just feel like from even from day one, I mean, as soon as everyone was able to touch down at Burt Reynolds Hall, I mean, we were all going out to eat together. We were all, you know, running around the campus together, doing this and that. Like, whatever we were doing, we were doing it all together. And I feel like that really I don't know it just created such like a brotherhood and kind of the just the chemistry and you know we, we were getting groomed to to be the leaders at some point but I just feel like that group was so close-knit from the start that we just we just gelled from off the field to on the football field and it was always you know a fight for each other it was never any ego things or you know guys not doing it for the team or their brother so I feel like the accountability of that group and just the chemistry was just just unmatched who were the guys you were really close with, like in your class that you like went through that journey with that, that looking back on was like really fond memories and, and guys who you were close, yeah. close with. Um, Man, Christian Jones, that was a, a guy that I really hung out with a lot. Um, man, me and him talked even before we even left to go to Florida. State. I, still, I was reading through the messages the other day on Facebook of him with me and him just having some conversations about when we're leaving and what we're packing and all that stuff like that. So Christian Jones was a guy. Um, Kenny Shaw is another guy that I was close with. Uh, pretty much that whole class, man. Telvin Smith to Terrence Smith to like Timmy Jernigan. I mean, it was just and Lamarcus Joyner to this day. That's my that's my guy, man. He's just a, always a dude who handled business. And that was a guy, the other corner that I came in with, and it was just a, a real good bond on and off the field. So every time I've seen that guy for games throughout the league and. Anybody in that secondary, really, man, it was just always close. God, it's so crazy to think about the amount of talent in that class. Oh, yeah. Man, I try to tell people every day, like, they they look back on who we had, and I just started popping off names, and they're like, man, like, that is unreal of what you guys had. And, man, it, it really was crazy, but I just think a lot of those – we just – I give a lot of credit to those guys before us because they, they kind of set the standard for us of how we play Florida State football and what we're supposed to do. From you know the Terrence Parks, the the Nick Moody's, you know, the guy Xavier Rhodes, you know, I mean EJ Manuel, like all those guys kind of groomed us to get to like hey, and they were and I would say they were all mature people though, so we got them at the right time throughout their career to help us out, and we really just carried that on. But I get a lot of people only look at that team, but that 2012 team really kind of set the tone for us. So you move into the so you have the tone setting of 2012 and kind of shows like where the program's going, what it's capable of, I guess. And and so now you have your goals in front of you, right? Like, you know what, what you can be. 
Um, For sure. Part of that, man, is like you have a new defensive coordinator coming in, okay. and so that's that's a new wrinkle. What was that like with Coach Pruitt coming in and early impressions of him, of the new scheme, defense, your role, I guess all that stuff as you're preparing for your senior season, like this is going to be a, a change. Yeah. Uh, we know now a good one, right? But what was that yeah. like at the time? <laughs> yeah, man, at that time it was just kind of like we knew Florida State was going to put, you know, coaches in front of us so that was going to make us successful. For, so the thought of, you know, worrying about what coach they're going to bring in, it really wasn't an issue for us. We were just more of a team that was like, hey, we just got to adapt to whatever. Um, love Mark Stoops, man. He was he was tough on me, and I, I, I give a lot of thanks to him for – you know, grooming me and getting me to a point of like how to, how to, how the the potential that he saw in me, he wanted me to get to that. And that's what he kind of pushed for every single day. Even if I didn't like what he was saying or not, the guy was, he, he really did help me a lot, but man, that Jeremy Pruitt, man, I don't care what they say, but that, that's my guy, man. That dude, he good old country dude, man, loves football, walks around with a lot of confidence, puts a lot of confidence in his players and, Man, he just made the game fun. He, like, made you feel confident. He made you feel like we were the best. And it just really, like, I think his mindset towards other teams and, like, towards what we had in that room, man, it just – it was just nothing like it. And you throw in Odell Hagens, which is a staple over there, like, man, he – I give a lot of thanks to him because he always had a D-line that helped us on the back end. So that helped out tremendously. But, man, Jeremy Pruitt to this day, man, he's still my favorite D- D coordinator he's he, he's amazing man I love that guy you mentioned the defense a lot and I, this this week I've gone back and started watching games from the 2013 season and Very. just <laughs> <laughs> Very. It, it, it's crazy <laughs> golly it's scary and honestly like I know we talked like you said like that 2012 D line was I mean ridiculous as well I mean, with Bjorn and Brandon Jenkins, like those guys, I mean, come on now. It just don't get no better than that, man. Odell, thanks to Odell for doing that. (laughs) It's funny, like when teams would have like, have a running back get to the second level, it was almost like, oh, how did that happen? Because it was was so (laughs) rare for it to happen. We're we're pretty spoiled for those couple of years. (laughs) Man. Yeah, I'm sure linebacker like like uh, the Smiths probably loved that. That was, oh, yeah. that was fun. Um, oh, yeah. All right, so like the off season. So I man, I started my first week. I went from covering high school sports in Orlando to mm-hmm. they're like, hey, the FSU job is going to open up. Come come check it out. And so I went up there for media day. Got hired a few weeks later. My first week on the job was the pit game, which was a heck mm-hmm. of a way to get things going. But yeah. I, I mean, I miss preseason camp, right? So mm-hmm. I had heard about these really intense practices, and oh, yeah. but I only heard about them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to experience them or see any glimpses of it myself, like what what those battles were like in in the preseason oh, camp. Uh, can you kind of shed some light on that? To be honest, I wish there was like a whole documentary on our practices, like just the training and all that, man. Like if you could imagine like what we did on opposite sides of the ball to other teams, like just imagine that every day in practice, like to go against Jameis, to go against, you know, the Rashad Greens, the Kenny Shaws, the Kelvin Benjamins, the O'Leary's, the Freemans, the Wilders. I mean, it was like, and don't forget about the old line with Stork and, you know, Hard and Cam Irving and like, you know, all these guys like that, man. It was just, it was harder than the games, honestly. Like it, it just it, it created such a chemistry and within 
that team is so much competition and day in and day out, day out that when we got to other teams, it was just like, y'all just have no clue. Like, this is nothing. <laughs> Either they're getting, you know, killed by the heat out there or they're getting killed by us. So it's one or the other. What was the toughest practice in memory, like that off season or, or preseason or even during the season? Like, is there one that you're like, man, that was either hell or just really competitive and stands out in a positive way? I guess what, what's one that comes to mind right away when I ask that? I would say Clemson. Okay. Clemson week to me was – well, the first, the first week, obviously, with Pitt, that was going to be our statement game. But I feel like Clemson was – that was the one where we were – I felt like we were just so locked in that week. Like, we just were – we were getting in a groove, and we just like – you know, you see the media stuff. You see all the stuff they said about Florida State and, you know, how good Clemson was that year. And, it like, it was – it really wasn't guys buying – it was – I wouldn't say it was us getting mad at the media. I think it was just more so like, hey, let's, let's extra lock in right now. Let's see what this can do for us. See what type of team we were in, like – I feel like that game was such a statement game because they were – I'm pretty sure they weren't thinking that it was going to go that way. And the way it just unfolded that night, I mean, it was like just pure dominance. Like, you, we practiced hard for that. We trained hard for that, and it, and it showed. And I'm just, I'm very, very glad we put a whooping on them like that. <laughs> the the stadium getting that quiet that quickly, um, oh, I don't know. Do, do you so, feel that as a player on the field? Like, does, are you sensing that happening in, in the moment? Uh, Hundred percent, man. Those those usually those people are pretty rowdy and they talk a lot of crap to you before the game. And you know, we as a team, we were just so locked in. Like we don't, we just look at them, kind of shake our head, probably give a little smirk or whatever, and then just go out on the field and do what we do. But to see them like get quiet and start leaving early, it was just we we did the same thing. We just look back, smile, and smirk. Like that's it. So it, man, it it was a beautiful thing. I love. With that team, man, I love going on the road. Those are like I love Dope Campbell, don't get me wrong. But something about just going to someone else's stadium and putting a whooping on them, like that's <laughs> it's such a good feeling. Such a good feeling. Hey, with with that Clemson game, one of the there were so many great plays that season that people talk about, but like the one I think that maybe doesn't get enough in like FSU lore just because that it got piled on so quickly was LaMarcus Joyner's interception with 10 players on the oh, field. You guys, you guys were short a defender, and that man was – he was on fire that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was his game right there, man. It just was all going his way, man. That Yeah, that play was big. That was a big play. But that's that's what we leaned on Joyner to do, man. He was he was one of those guys who was just ready to – like just so scrappy and just ready to set things off that that game he was like – he was feeling it. That was his, his time, and it all showed and. You know, we just tried to rally around that. But, yeah, he definitely – he put some work in, especially with that D-line and those linebackers, man. They they were a beautiful thing married up with us. You mentioned LaMarcus as scrappy. Very, very appropriate term, I feel like. I don't think I could say it much better. Can you kind of find, like, what that secondary was like, all the pieces, yourself included, like what everyone's role was, like as not just play-wise, but, like, person-wise? Like, what were you guys' distinct personalities you brought to that really, really amazing position group? <laughs> Man, I just – what's crazy is because, like, most of the personalities were just so different. Like, but it was just the way it just all married together that it just, like, worked together so well. I mean, to start out with Joyner, um, he was the guy, the only other corner that came in in my class. Um, so, you know, I kind of watched him a little bit more closely just because he was a five-star at the time. I was a three-star, and that was the only other corner I was coming in. So I was like, man, let me at least see what this dude's about. Like, and just from the jump, I mean – 
like a old soul, like old soul, old. I mean, he would fit perfectly in old school football. Like that dude, like he loved to hit. He was scrappy. He was fast. Like he just meant business. He didn't do too much rah rah this or that. It was just like strictly go make a play, come back to the huddle. Go make a play, come back to the huddle. And he was just that guy. And it was just like whenever you see him get turned up, you like, all right, it's something different now with him. And then with the corners, you got Ronald Darby, you got uh, PJ. Those were like our young, youthful, energetic guys, like, you know, joking around, just la- loud and, you know, but just got after it on the field. We we got a lot of youthful energy from them. Um, and then, you know, we had we moved Jalen Ramsey back there just because we wanted to get him on the field somehow. We're just like, we, like, corners, cool. They have a little bit more experience. But I was like, shit, coach, put him back there with me, like, Let's see, like, I'll doctor him up. And I know that's what Pruitt was, you know, kind of saying. Like, when we first made that move, he was like, man, just, like, try to get that chemistry down pat with him quick, you know, tell him everything that you know. Like, and I and I was, like, more so, like, I'll tell him everything I know, but I want to know what he knows, too. Like, I was kind of absorbing him all that information as well. But Jalen was just a guy with just pure, raw talent that could play anywhere on that field. And, to have him back there, he was he was new, but he was just like he had such a good feel for the game that it just kind of all worked out. And I just feel like for me, I I don't think I was the flashiest player. I would say like you know with that type of stuff, but I feel like I I was definitely the enforcer, the guy to kind of you know gen- the general of that back end back there, just trying to get everybody set up and lined up, and just kind of be trying to be in a position in great position all the time. Um, but that senior year, I feel like, yeah, that was really my year to to shine. I feel like I did very well with, you know, just being comfortable. That was the biggest thing. Like, that first year of starting was was cool and all, kind of great learning experience. I was ready for that. But that senior year, I just felt like a whole new confidence of, you know, being a general back there in the secondary and getting people lined up and communicating and having the swag that we all play with. So, all those personalities, man, it just it just worked out so well. I'm I'm very fortunate to have those guys and we're all still close to this day. Terrence, I'm telling you, like one of my favorite things about that season was like the, those handful of times a game when you got a clean alley to go oh, to the yeah. perimeter and some of those oh, games, I like in the <laughs> it, I loved it. Con- controlled chaos. Like you you went down with like violence, but you didn't lose Oh yeah. Sight. It was it was impressive, yeah, man. It was fun. I I love that and Really, that's – I mean, I give a lot of credit to, you know, Pruitt as well, man, just as of him. He knew what I could do in the back end, and he just he just found a way to exploit all those talents and put me in the right position. And it just – it showed my speed. It showed my, you know, my vision, my my range. It showed, you know, my power with hitting. I mean, it just – it really helped me as a player. So I give a lot to him. But, man, he, he knew I loved cover four. Like, still to this day with my boys, we're running cover four. Like, I love that coverage just because it lets me run those alleys and kind of be a free player, just go all off of instinct. So he helped me out a bunch of that, man. But, yeah, that NC State game, I got one of the best alleys I wanted to run, and I got <laughs> I got it full speed. So that was awesome. That was thirty. That was thirty-five nothing at the end of the first quarter, right? Oh, that yeah. was NC State one. Yes, yes, Lord. we owed them one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. What was what was the Hangman game? Which one was that? Oh man, was that NC State or was it Syracuse? Maybe I think it might have been Syracuse. I think it might have been Syracuse. Yeah, that was. 
Luckily, we didn't get in trouble for that. Jimbo actually thought that was kind of funny at the time, but he was just like, y'all got to chill out, like, try to stay watching the game. But, yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely an idea that I threw out there. We shouldn't have been doing that, but it was iconic, so it worked out. I know the answer to it, but there's probably a, a generation of, of oh, yeah. most fans in their early 20s that don't know what the word was. Still, yeah. People ask me all the time, and I, I tell a select few, but I like I, I've been keeping it a little secret. I think it's better that way. <laughs> all right, we'll keep it. They, they can they can dig. They can find it somewhere if they really want it. We'll make yeah, them work for yeah, it. I like it. <laughs> that that was my big journalistic question to you at the um, the BCS championship press uh-huh. conference or I whatever. Remember. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Me breaking news. Um, all right, so we'll go through a few games real quick, and then we'll kind of set up the national championship game. But, like, that, that pit game, you mentioned that being, like, your statement game. Uh, mm-hmm. Twofold, like, for you guys just as a team. And then second, like, Jameis' coming out party, like one of the yeah. most remarkable debuts, the stage, yeah. the performance. Uh, you figure at that point, man, that you guys had something pretty special as a team, and then, you know, who who QB1 was? Um, or it, not it was but- yeah, I don't think I don't think we really knew at all yet. I just I feel like we went in thinking like you know, it was never like us worried about other teams. It was more so us executing what our coaches gave us. That was like the biggest thing because we knew we had all the talent in the world. It was just a fact of can we go out here and execute? Can we do what we're supposed to be told from these coaches who are trying to put us in the best position to win? And we knew Jimbo was a great great guy over there. We had a great defensive coordinator, and we we're stacked everywhere. But it's like. At this point, we feel like we're the only ones that could beat us. So that was a, that was the, kind of the main focus throughout the whole time there. But seeing what Jameis did that game as a young kid like that, man, it, it did give us a lot of confidence. We knew that he was a leader from the jump. But to go pull it all together that night and, you know, be under the lights and him perform that way, man, it was, it was very promising. So we knew from after that game, we're like, okay, we did what we were supposed to do. Let's just keep trying to stack good days and see where that takes us. So fast forwarding a little bit uh, between the Boston College and Maryland game, like on the outside looking in, it looks like something shifted on defense. Oh, I'm not God. sure if you guys felt that way. <laughs> yeah, that that we honestly, that's the only game that a lot of us talk about when we get with each other. It's just like, man, that Boston College game, like it, they came out ready. I mean, it was I don't know what it was up to preparation for the week or whatever, but they, you know, they wanted to knock us off. They wanted to be that team. Um to do that, but we 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 took a little bit longer to get adjusted to that game for sure. They they came out ready. They had a great game plan. Uh, defense definitely took a little bit to get going with that. But I feel like we came up at crucial moments with some takeaways. I remember PJ Williams having an interception from the middle of the field and returning it down to the left. And I was the lead blocker on that one. Um, I think we were in some type of man coverage on that one for sure. And I think that was a big point that shifted the game. Then uh, just our run run game got better after a while. We were stuffing the run. But once again, you know, Jameis, you know, having that that bomb he threw to Kenny Shaw on the right sideline, that right there before the half, I mean, that's what really, I think, shifted it and uh, gave us that, that, that momentum to get back into it and get in our groove. But they were definitely a team that really tested us, and we needed that, honestly. It, I think that was a point of us getting comfortable and we're like, hey, okay, the teams can come out here and smack us in the mouth and give us some problems. Let's get it figured out. And we were pretty resilient and came away with a win, so it was good. You said you guys needed that, like, uh, I'm going to have to beat this out, but you guys kind of started f- 
shit out like after that yeah. like on defense. right <laughs> no nah, that was really the game though because I, I swear I, I forgot who that running back was um I know I stuffed the run good that game that was my, one of my favorite games against the run but that dude I mean he came out running he was running hard and we and Leading up to that, I don't think we really had any running backs like him that were doing that much damage. And they came, like I said, they came out with the energy. I mean, it was a. I'm pretty sure it was a morning. What was it? Morning noon game. It was. It was definitely. It was either a twelve or a three. It was chilly. It was yeah, kind yeah, of sleepy. Was, yeah, sleepy. You don't know Florida uh, boys. Florida boys in that weather right there. It takes a little <laughs> bit to get going. So yeah, they came out with it, man. That was one game I do remember. That gave us a tough time and really. Between them and Auburn, I feel like those are the ones that was really the toughest. Yeah, well, you you guys didn't trail after that BC game until the Auburn game, oh, yeah. so, so it exactly started right. a, a stretch of dominance. So then that Maryland game's the next week, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's when you guys started like pouring it on, and then Clemson was like really that. I guess at what point, like, so you guys knew something good if you handled business like against Pitt, and then kind of find yourself a little bit against BC at what point does it start becoming oh like special like there's everything in front of us right now do you remember that moment or was there a clarifying moment I would just say after the Clemson I feel like that the I mean no no disrespect to those other teams before them but we didn't we felt like we should have handled business with them um but we knew Clemson that was what was it we had a that was college game day for them and um we knew that was going to be our real test. So that's, like I said, that's when we really kind of locked in. And we knew if, you know, we still dominate this team like we do the other teams, we definitely got a chance of, you know, clearing out the rest of the season. So that was, that was really our, our test right there. And it worked out well. Yeah, And because that was the test, and we could fast forward now all the way to the national championship game uh, because yeah. you guys did so remarkable the rest of the way to handle your business. Yeah. Well, you can't um, skip the the butt whooping we gave Florida. Like you can't skip that. Okay, all right. We'll, <laughs> we we will stop that. My, what's your favorite memory of that? I just remember KB like just throwing oh, people yeah. into the sidelines. What what oh, stands yeah. out to you? Honestly, watching that, like watching, I feel like that was really like KB had some like great plays up leading up to that game, like a phenomenal plays. But I feel like that game right there, like. It just made it really. I'm pretty sure that just made the whole college like seem like, damn, like, what is going on? Like, who is this guy? Like, he looks freakishly like huge. Like, what? What is that? Like, what is Florida State? Like, that's what really like was making people tune in after that Clemson game. And man, watching him go off like that, it was just so cool because he was a guy that really worked hard at his position and and was so fresh to it, but just so damn good. Like, it was cool to see him, you know, blossom during that game, but. Man, just some of I, – I don't know. I just don't like Florida. I really don't like them. So, going into their place and putting a whooping on them, man, it was it was awesome. It felt good. You probably grow up with – how far is, is Donnellan oh. from Florida? Like 30 minutes? It's like four – yeah, about 30, 45 minutes, man. So, you've grown up Crazy with a bunch story, of U.S. Though, fans. It's a, it's a way deeper reason I don't like them. Like, because – I, I don't really even tell people to, this too much. So, they invited me to their camp that they have. It, I think at the time it was Friday Night Lights or something like that that they had. And um, they said, hey, if you come to this camp and lock down these receivers, at the time it was like Quentin Dunbar and like Ace Sanders, which was a really good dude. Like, So I went down there, did my thing against them, and they didn't give me a scholarship. 
so that next week was the Seminole Showtime camp. And uh, I went up there for that one. And I had an offer already at the time. My whole coaching staff in high school uh, were Florida State fans, uh, Frank Beasley, Tommy uh, Sutton over there. And they were like, man, this looks good over here. What are you going to do? And at that time, I was just like, oh, I don't know about Florida State. Like, I, I kind of watched, you know, the Percy Harvey's and the Def, Jeff Dims and all those guys. I'm like, man, that kind of looks cool over there. Was, but push down the show, ended up committing that day to Florida State, man, and that was the best decision I made. They were pretty they were pretty nasty to me after that, but, you know, it worked out well. That's why I was so good beating them all the time. But part part of the reason why I was going to skip over everything was at one of my favorite one of my favorite moments from that season in terms of just like media isn't set up the same way anymore. Like now, it's, we do everything in the morning. We talk to players real quick right after practice, and that's it. And it used to be like we'd sit down, talk to you guys, and like actually get like stories, information. It, it was different. Uh, yeah. But I remember your response when someone asked you about Duke that week at the ACC championship game. And mm-hmm. paraphrasing here, but you went. And kind of just did a little dismissive <laughs> wave, wave of the hands. That's how confident you guys were at that point yeah, of the season. It was, yeah, we at that point we really weren't entertaining any. Because I mean, during that week though, they were saying like, "Oh, Duke has a chance. They have this, this, and this." And like, we we're like, "Man, y'all gotta stop this!" Like, you see what we have, you see what we've done. Like, there's no way y'all are just trying to stir up something right now. So, but like, I, but again, like at that point, we were just like we were so focused on us and us executing that we didn't even like, we didn't feel like a lot of people had a chance just because of, we knew who we were. We knew what we needed to do to win and we knew the talent we had. So it was, and it meant something to us to be out there on the field with each other. So we weren't like, yeah, Duke, nah, we were just like, we just got to go ahead and show them like <laughs> who we are for real. All right. So then you have some time to prepare for, for Auburn and I, I I guess what was the idea of, of Auburn coming in, the opinion of them, um, confidence level, I guess, going into to the Natty? Uh, I mean, we knew we, – we during the whole buildup of that, we kind of saw, you know, all the plays and all the toughness they had to go through just to get to that point. So we knew that that matchup in general was going to be tough, um, especially the talent they had. I mean, they had a crazy O-line at the time, good receivers. They had Trey Mason. I mean – and defense was pretty solid too at the time. So it was, we knew it was going to be a good test, but we still had so much confidence. It was just like, they're either going to have to match our confidence or match our play, or it's just going to be, you know, either a blowout. And I would say they did come out and match it very well and very quickly. Um, that game was, it was, it was a tough game, man. It, I would say it was a very, very tough game for us. Just even getting started wise, I feel like it was it was huge. The tempo of that offense, you know, the scattiness of Trey Mason. I mean, it was it was very tough for us to simulate that that tempo in practice as well. I mean, you can go as fast as you want, but in the game, it's just totally different. But that game was it, it was a real test, man. It had you had to show a lot of resiliency to that game and toughness, and just kind of not looking back, just always looking forward, you know. The tempo was like unique to college football at that point too. Like like yeah. now, like the, there's three or four teams in the season that are gonna run like similar speed that Auburn did. But like yeah. I don't know, you guys probably didn't face anything quite like that. Nah, not at team. all. Not at all. I mean, I feel like we faced it a little bit. I don't even know if it was really hurry up, but just I would say as a difficulty of stopping whatever it was of the scheme was like how Georgia Tech was at, you know, 
when we played them, I forgot what bowl game that was, but we played them in a game, Georgia Tech against that wing T. <clears throat> what was that? Carlos Williams had like the game winning pick on I that one. I think that um, would have that been twelve in the ACC yeah. championship game, right? Yes, yeah, that was twelve. That was twelve. But that difficulty of preparing that week for the wing T and kind of the discipline it took just to stop that that offense, like it that was tough, but. We tried to simulate that that offense and just the tempo and everything, but it was just so much more different in the game. I mean, it was it was crazy, and it took quite a quite a while for us to really get going. I feel like our offense at the time wasn't really too hot then as well, so they jumped out pretty well on us. Yeah, twenty one and three lead for Auburn, and oh, yeah. there was a couple of of short fields that they had that to help them, and they had the one big bomb uh, oh, yeah. off of like a miscommunication. So it, they go up twenty one to three. Um, panic at that point or doubt or does anything like that creep in i wouldn't i wouldn't lie to you and say that we weren't panicking not out there wasn't a panic i would say there wasn't a panic it was more so like okay now like what are we gonna do it was just one of those come like I guess coming to jesus moments of like okay we're not dominating dominating this team that alone is something different that we've never had before. And it's like, okay, what do we do about it? Do we just keep letting them pour it on us? Or we like, you know, we keep fighting. And obviously the quit was not in any of us at all. But I remember, what's crazy, I remember the shifting point for that game is, if they go back and watch that game, I hate to talk about it really, but if you go back and watch that game, there's a screenplay out to Trey Mason um, to our right side, their left. And they had Greg Robinson, leading blocker on the play, and he obliterated me on that play, and concussed me pretty good. Like I was pretty concussed throughout that game, and <clears throat> they scored on that. I sat on the bench, and obviously at the time I was—I don't even really talk about that. But like at the time, I'm still kind of in a daze, and I'm like, man, like, and I look up at the scoreboard and it says 21-3. And I said, yo, how did they score? Like, what, like, what happened? Like, why are we down so much? I completely out. And we all kind of like looked at each other and we're like, man, we got to do something. And I promise you, I know it's bad. I, I don't ever condone people playing with concussions, but I came back with some crazy uh, defensive pass breakups and like eight plus tackles, like after that. And for me, it was just like, Looking back on it, I'm like, you are so crazy to do that. Like, you should have. But it was just like I had so much, like, heart and care for my teammates that, like, there was just nothing going to stop me from having that comeback with them and making that game work and, like, getting a championship. So I kind of – that was a that was a little thing. I don't know if people really knew that. But, yeah, it, it was definitely a turning moment, man. It was crazy. Yeah. We'll, I'm going to ask you this question. We're not going to try to – make it heroic to play through the concussion because I know as a coach you nah, don't that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't want that at all. But you did that. but you did do it and it is part of history. So like what is it like to play with the concussion? Like that seems like like are you can you clearly remember like are you able to process everything that's happening in the second half? Or are you just reacting at that point? Man, honestly I would say I don't I can't even tell you bro. Like <laughs> I just feel like I was after I think it was more so, I was probably dazed, but I was just so pissed off after that play that I was. It was just like 
it like turned me into a fucking, I mean, sorry. <laughs> it turned me into like a, a whole like just monster. Like I just felt so much like adrenaline and like, so like it was just like, if people like now that y'all go back and watch that game, just watch after that play, how I played. And it's just, it was just so much fire in me that, that I just did not want to be stopped. I wasn't going to let, I, I felt like I shouldn't have let that play of me getting, not making that hit. Like, I wasn't going to let that just be it. Like, I was like, there's no way I'm coming this far and played this well throughout this whole season to get to that point and not just be it. So, like, like I said, I don't condone playing through concussions, but, man, I feel like that, I honestly don't regret it just because of how I played and what I did for the, for the defense at that time and kind of rallying back. It was, it gives me chills thinking about it. It was amazing. What do you think? So, so what, what, that's a turning point for you individually. And I think, honestly, like, kind of coincides around a similar time where the defense starts playing better too. Oh, yeah. And that's probably not a huge coincidence given your, your role on that team, but like what, what play or what moment from that game, there's a few classics, right? Um, yeah, good yeah. and bad for Florida state perspective, obviously it ends fantastically, but like what stands out to you the most about that game now, like 10 years later? Oh man, it's a few for me as well. The Kermit, he don't get enough love. I know they, they, he throughout the whole season he came up big for us too. I mean that Kermit touchdown with Carlos leading the way, man, that was huge turning point. Carlos Williams fake punt, that was a, a huge turning point. Um, uh, what else? Rashad what about, Green had. Yeah, that one with Rashad running and Jimbo chasing down the sideline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jimbo didn't couldn't even believe it himself. He was like geeked. He was just going crazy. Um, man, that. I mean, offense, they had so many big plays, man. Devontae Freeman, I mean, he scratched and clawed for every single yard that he got. That was a huge thing, too. His his grind yards were just amazing that people don't really notice. Um, and just the overall team effort. I feel like everything, just like all three phases kind of helped come back and win that game. It was ridiculous. But I would say a turning point that really didn't even have anything to do with us is when they scored their last touchdown and Trey Mason hit the Heisman pose. Like, after that, I was like, yeah, we got scored on, but y'all have given us way too much time. I was like, y'all don't understand that part of it. So, like, when we went back to the bench, we were like and, – and another thing that's crazy, another like, O's the Jimbo and the rest of that staff, that exact scenario, situ- football situation, we practiced that so many times in practice, like, all through our year. Like, we practiced the two minutes. We practiced, like, down by this, and we, like – it was just so crazy how it all married up. So when we sat on the bench and we looked at the time and we looked at the field position, we were like, it was just honestly almost like a sense of like just relief. Cause we like knew like, this is, this is like clockwork for Jameis and them. Like they practice this all the time. We've practiced this scenario. We just got to leave it in their hands. And man, after Rashad, I think Rashad caught that pass and kind of squirted it. Like, man, it was like, okay, we're good. We're good. Let's figure it out. <laughs> like we're straight. So it was awesome. Man. So the, the team is going to be remembered as one of the most dominant in college football history. And it probably doesn't get like enough shine for just how dominant it was. Like, as you look yeah. back though, like in, and so now you're at this point in your life, fatherhood, coaching, like it's, yeah. it's a fun chapter that you've entered and you can look back at that, that team, that final season at FSU. Like, I guess, how do you remember this, this team, now, like, what stands out fondly to you, like, as you think back on it? 
man, it's just kind of looking back at all of us, I would just say the brotherhood, like, a lot for, give a lot of love for Telvin Smith, man. Like, that dude right there, like, he was the the heart of that team. Like, he was the one who, I've to this day, I have not seen a leader like he was for our team. Like, it was just his energy, his, like, his passion, like, his, like, you could damn near see his heart, like how much heart he had just for this team and how much love he had for us. And we always, like, one of his chance for us was always fight for each other. And that was something that really stuck with us throughout the whole year. And Telvin to this day, man, everybody loves that dude. Like, everybody, like, he is the guy for us that really was the glue for our whole group. And everybody, everyone played their role. Everyone, you know, brought in – their swag and their toughness and, you know, their morals and everything and values from, like, their hometown and how they raised. And it's it's so – I think it's just so cool that, you know, Bobby and Jimbo and all those guys, like, went out and hand-selected this whole group and put them all together and that was a national championship team. Like, that was – that's, like, the coolest thing to me that they were able to do that and and – for, for how they found me in little old Denellen, Florida, like, I have no clue. And that's thanks to, you know, the Terrell Buckley and Lawrence Dawsey and Odell. Odell still talks about it to this day. My grandma was in there cooking them fried fish, like, when he came from my recruiting visit. So, like, he's always talking about that. And, you know, Lawrence Dawsey was on the sidelines for a lot of my games. But it was really cool to have Mickey Andrews, I mean, I didn't at the time I didn't really know who he was and I I heard of him but like my face and all that stuff I couldn't recognize him but it just always was this guy that was showing up to my practices in high school and it I mean like pouring rain in and he's out there with like an umbrella like looking like a godfather like just standing off to the side just watching me and I'm like they finally told me who he was and his significance and I wish I could have really played for him but he was a guy that I was just like man like it just gave me like this boss feel for Florida State, and that's what really I think. Just his presence in that staff, like it just all married up, and I'm, I'm so glad I made that decision, man. It was awesome. Yeah, I would say the decision worked out well for you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> all right, this has been Terrence Brooks joining us on the bench. Terrence, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, fun going down memory lane with you. Definitely, man. I thank you for having me. Go North.